You are silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. And when I was thinking about the sounds of silence, a lot of different things came into my heart and, and things that I read. In Genesis uh, 1-2, we see that the earth was without form and it was void. But yet, the first word spoken in the Bible in Genesis 1-3 says, let there be light. And what's so awesome about our God is he always wants to shed light through his word into our hearts and into our lives. It's so crucial that we understand that, that God is always using his word to speak to our hearts. And I tried to think even driving here tonight, has there been a time that I never was aware of God's presence? Even when I was trying to walk away from him and turn my back on him in a sinful state, I think I always heard God's voice. I might have ignored it, but I don't know if he just, he never abandoned me. I always had a sense, hey, that what I was doing was wrong. He was always pricking my heart, always trying to get me to hear. There's times, maybe, you've been in that situation before where you've been in a place that's been silent. Nobody's home. You're walking in the woods. Maybe you're scuba diving. You're underwater and you can't hear a sound. And I don't know about you, but in those times of tremendous silence, there's a great awareness of God's presence. When Maria was a senior in college, uh, she's a phys ed major like myself, and they did a course, or in one of the courses they were taking, it was caving. And what we did is we went up to somewhere, it might have been around here and, uh, or a little further north, to a cave, one of the largest caves in New Jersey. But we went up there around 11 or 12 o'clock at night. And they gave you the little hard hats with the, the miner's light on it. And we went in. And we were in the cave for about four hours. So there were times we were going through little crevices, you were trying to squeeze through, or you had to go another way to find another way around, and there were bats hanging. Uh, one of the people in our group got hit with a bat that was flying out, little uh, bats like this. But I remember we had to scale this wall, it was a cathedral uh, wall they called it, and I would say it was probably something like uh, this wall right here. It's about that size. and. There were some steps in it that you could get a foothold and you just had to sort of pull yourself up and people did it themselves, but they said, Does anybody would anybody like to go last? So I said, I'll go last. So after everybody was up and they got over the ridge, it, it was just totally black, except for the light on my helmet. So I just shut it off for a minute. And you, it was almost like you had a sound of silence. You could almost hear that there was nothing. But right away at that moment, I just thought of God. There was just like, I just thought of Him, and only Him. That happened one other time, I was doing scuba diving, was down by myself, and it was just in the beauty of His ocean, and you just felt God's presence. So then I was thinking in the preparation of this study, what would it be like if you weren't aware of God's presence, like if you never heard his voice or you never were drawn to his word, what would that be like?
And some of you, depending on where you've come from in your walk with the Lord or, or coming to salvation, might have tremendous stories in the loneliness or the despair when God wasn't there in your life or you didn't have any recognition of him. So one of the things I was thinking of is, like, if you didn't have God, if there was no sound of him, if there was no word of God, well, obviously we would not be here tonight. We wouldn't be on church on Sunday or doing different things that are connected with uh, God. There wouldn't be any guidance in our lives. We'd just be like a boat without a rudder, just going in any direction. We would have no focus. There'd be no wisdom. It'd just be man's wisdom. And look where man's wisdom has gotten us throughout history. I mean, we only have to look at historical evidence to see where man's thoughts have got us. There wouldn't be any comfort in tragedies, in illnesses. When you're hurting inside, there wouldn't be anywhere to get comfort. There wouldn't be any security. There wouldn't be any hope. There wouldn't be any faith. God's word wouldn't be there for us to grow in faith and the knowledge of God. Faith coming by here and here and by the word of God. It wouldn't be taking place. Our purpose in life would be meaningless. But Jesus wants to shed light. And he uses his word by the power of his Holy Spirit to bring that to us. You know, we come here tonight, we go to church, we do our daily devotions, we read God's word because we know that he is going to create in, it, in us more of him, right? He's going to do a work in us. He's preparing us for works of service as we come before him. In that Psalm 28, the last part of verse 1 says, I become like those who go down to the pit. And I thought of the pit. Throughout Scripture, I thought of when Joseph was thrown into the pit by his brothers. A lot of his brothers wanted him to die there. Some of his brothers was figuring somebody was going to come along and, and he wouldn't die there. They would just take him away. Think of Daniel in the lion's den, just being isolated in a dangerous place. I think of Revelation in the bottomless pit. You know, and I think of when it's opened up that the darkness, the blackness of the smoke is so heavy that it covers the sky and the whole earth is dark. How deep and dark is that pit? And David in the psalm says, I, I become like those who go down to the pit. not seeing anything, not hearing anything, totally blind. We know the scriptures say that there's going to be wailing and gnashing of teeth in total isolation. Not a good place to be, huh? Not a place you and I are destined to. Story of a little boy down south on a hot summer night going along the banks of a large river. And he came uh, up to a man who was fishing, an older man, and they got into a nice conversation 
all of a sudden they heard the uh, sound of the river boat, a steamboat, the River Queen, coming down. And the boys start, started yelling, give me a ride, give me a ride. And the man just smiled and said, son, that boat is filled with people with a lot of money going to important places or just relaxing. There's no way you're going to get a ride tonight. But all of a sudden, the boat started taking a turn and coming over towards the riverbank where the two were standing. And as the boat came closer and closer, the little boy looked up and just said, Hey, Dad! And with those two words, the man understood why the course of that boat was changed. You and I have a dad that's in heaven. You and I have a, the Holy Spirit, God himself living within us. And the question that we all always have to ask ourselves is, how much of the Holy Spirit do we have? How much are we allowing of ourselves for him to have? And that's a huge question. Every day that we live, that's a huge question, isn't it? In that song, Simon and Garfunkel, Sounds of Silence, one of the verses is the neon gods they made. The neon gods they made. There's a lot of neon gods around. It's all glitter, but they're empty. They don't speak. They don't create anything except momentary pleasure. It's not a long-lasting thing. But we have a God that's not temporary. He's, he's lasting. He's always building into you and I those things that he knows is important for us as we get closer and closer to meeting him. Let's take a look at some of the things that God put on my heart in Acts chapter 17. Verse 1, now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures. Paul is awesome. There's so much that we can learn from this guy. Here he comes to a, a city that's flourishing with people and different ideas, different philosophies. But notice where he goes to first, to the synagogue. It's his custom to go there. I've known most of you for years. It's your custom to be here. It's your custom to be on church on Sunday. Dave said it earlier in a prayer, we're a family. Some of us know others a little better than you know someone else. But as you get to know each other, we get closer and closer in the family of God. But we have one dad. We have one dad that brings us together. One of the things we see in uh, the second verse is Paul reasoned with them from the scriptures. And boy, what a great thing that is, huh? 
If we're going to reason with anybody, it should only be from the Scriptures. doesn't matter what we think. doesn't matter what the world thinks. But it definitely matters what God thinks. I think of uh, President Bush, who just completed his eight years, and how I've heard over those eight years that he would open every day with his group of people in prayer. Over the course of those years, he would have guys like Joel Rosenberg come in and just shed light on things that are going on throughout the world. Unfortunately, I don't think that's taking place right now. Things are moving so fast. You know, you're hearing about the abortion. You're hearing about spending money on condoms. You're hearing about saving money, you know, through the abortion. You're hearing about things that are just going on so fast, so rapidly. Are we ready for what's coming? I say yes, because our God is ready. Nothing's taken him by surprise, and if we're walking in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, if our face is in the book, if we're sincerely seeking him, we're ready. We're not going to be caught anything. We need to pray for President Obama. We need to pray for Mrs. Pelosi. These people are lost right now. They need to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We're not against them. We want them to be saved. There is a pit. There is a silence that every man and woman is going to face if they don't know Jesus Christ. And it's a serious time. And this is why I love Paul so much. It's so cool that for three Sabbaths, in verse 2, he spent time reasoning with the Scriptures with these guys in this synagogue. You see, he didn't hit them once. He went back there. He tried to reason with them. He met them where they were. And he spoke to them on their level. Sometimes, you know, we talk to a person about the Lord or we're praying for a person and things don't happen right away. We might get discouraged. We can't. It might take a few times. We might never see the fruit that comes from it. But remember what Jesus said in his word. Doesn't return void. So we just trust Jesus. We don't trust us. We don't trust what we said to that person. We just know that God's in control and he causes the growth. Verse 3, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. That's our message, isn't it? That he died, that he rose, that he's coming again. That we're, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, we're all sinners. And that we need a Savior. That's the message. That's the gospel. But so many people haven't heard it. Why? As we see when we get to Athens a little later, there's so many things in the world today, right? There's so many philosophies, so many religions, so many teachings, so many kooks. It's crazy. They don't know if they're coming or going. People are confused. They're looking for answers. And boy, what a world. Wasn't that something with the election? Just worldwide. The uh, euphoria through the whole world. Not in the United States alone. When they, you saw glimpses of people in Kenya on the street, just men sitting on the street just watching these big screen TVs. Interesting. Why is that happening now? Every eye can see what took place in the election. 
You could watch it on a phone. You could watch it in Times Square. You could watch it in Kenya. Interesting. Almost every eye saw the election. Hmm. Verse 4, And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women, joined Paul and Silas. Isn't it always cool to know that when you put out the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's always some that are persuaded. There's always some that are touched. You know, you don't know if it's going to be a few thousand. You don't know if it's going to be one. But somebody's going to be touched by God's word going forth. Verse 5, but the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. But then there's the other side. There's always somebody that's going to try to cause a problem. And a lot of times the problems that they cause have an underlying current. In this particular case, they stirred up the mob. But we see that the root of that stirring up was envy. You know, when we say Jesus' name, last night Ashley had a um, choir practice. It's a secular, uh, it's like in Monmouth County, it's a uh, choir group. So it's all different people, you know, different religions. It doesn't have to be a religious person. You know what I'm saying? That you just, people want to sing. So a lot of teenagers, and there was a lady there, and I was uh, sitting with Maria, and I was just looking over my notes and preparing as we waited for Ashley to finish. And uh, I started talking about my lesson. Maria had asked me, what, do you, what am I teaching on? So I said the sounds of silence and went on to this, a couple things about the bottomless pit and how God, and this lady who I found out later was Jewish, like when I just started talking about God, she looked up and then she would look down. Then she would look up and she would look down. But you could tell it was because of the conversation. It was hard for her to just be listening. But the thing that's cool is now we have somebody to pray for. And you know that the Lord must have been pricking her heart. Who knows what she came there with? Who knows what she's dealing with at home, with her family, in her life in general, in her heart, between her and God? And here she ran into somebody again, maybe, that's just talking about God again. And we know how that works, right? That's happened to us, whether it's been a song, whether it's been a person. You know, God gets our attention because he loves us. He cares for us. So we see these Jews, they weren't persuaded. They became envious. So they found some people to, you know, stir up the crowd and cause a problem, just like they did when Jesus was arrested and tried. You know, there were people who lied that were trying to get uh, more hatred stirred up against them. And we see here that they went to the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. And uh, Jason's most likely is the place where, you know, they were staying. So they're trying to find these guys, you know, maybe hiding out at Jason's house. And in verse 6, but when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Jason has harbored them and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus. Now notice what they tag these uh, apostles with, or these followers of Christ with. 
These who have turned the world upside down and have come here too. Now you've got to remember, in the garden, everything was perfect. The world was right side up. And then when man sinned, the world became upside down. And God has sent you and I into the world, along with the apostles and the disciples, to turn things right side up again. See, the world is upside down. That's why it's, everything's all over the place. It's not in place. And you and I, like Paul, like Barnabas or Silas, are the missionaries who need to go into the world to preach the gospel. We're the ones that are being called to do that at this time in history, in our family, in our workplace, in our church, in our schools, wherever it is that God has you going. Verse 8, And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And notice the one thing they said, that saying there's another king, Jesus. Well, there is another king, Jesus. And this Jesus isn't one who wants us to overthrow the governments of the world. You know, he's the one who said to render to Caesar the things that are Caesar and to God the things that are God. But there is a material world and there is a spiritual world. And we know, and I think one of the things I know in my own personal life, is that God is stripping away a lot of things. There's a lot of stuff happening in this world right now, and I know it's definitely affecting us. And one of the things he's showing me is that hold on loosely to the things that you can't take with you. Because those things that you hold on to too tightly that you can't take with you are the things that are going to cloud you from seeing me more clearly. You know? I think of Isaiah, um, that it wasn't until the king died that he saw God high and lifted up, sitting on the throne of his temple. So what is it that, I'm, that is clouding me from seeing Jesus high and lifted up? Is it a paycheck? Is it an athletic event? Is it my family? I have to make sure things are in order. I have to see, and, and I think that's one of the things, I know that's one of the things the Lord's been putting on my heart the last few months. During the Caesar years, 200, about 250-year period, at the beginning of it anyway, the first 250 years, six and a half million martyrs because they wouldn't call Caesar Lord because Jesus was their king. Really happened. People really dying. People really taking that stand. Are you and I ready to take that stand? Are we ready if it comes to that? If they say it's a hate crime to speak about uh, homosexuals in the scriptures, are we ready? Will we keep our mouth shut to honor man, or will we open our mouth to honor God? Verse 9, so when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Always know the world's looking for a, a buck. Always know they're looking for something where God is only looking for our heart. God is only looking for someone who's willing to serve him. That's a beautiful thing. It's a great thing to be able to serve the living God. 
Verse 10, Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now this is what I want to exhort you to tonight. Notice what happened when they were fearful for their lives, for Paul and Silas's lives in Thessalonica. They sent them to Berea. But notice they didn't hide out. Because as we know, as we read earlier, it was their custom to go to the synagogue. So when they got to Berea, they just checked out another synagogue. They were ready, let's go. They planted their seeds. They moved on. They did what they had to do in one place. They moved on to the next. So they went to the synagogue of the Jews. Now, one of the things is they went to the people who they thought had a heart towards God first. Did you notice that? Paul always went to the Jews. And he spoke to them. And later he goes to the Gentiles, but it's because he was sent there by the Lord, but the Jews rejected everything of God. God put a blinders on him and turns his attention to the Gentiles. Verse 11, these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Tremendous verse. We've heard it so many times, but we should never get tired of it. For you and I, are we always ready to receive God's word? Are we always looking for treasures in it? Are we, are we always looking to get something out of it maybe that we never thought of before? Do you search the scriptures daily? Notice it doesn't say weekly or monthly or yearly. It says daily. How important is that? I think it's used. As I get older, I realize how important that is. But for um, young people here tonight, I think if you did that every day, search the scriptures daily, you're so much more ahead of the game where God wants you to be. You're being obedient to him, to his word. You're taking God at his word. And notice why they searched the scriptures, to find out whether the things that the apostles were saying were true. But you know what? Today, for you and I, we need to seek the scriptures daily to see if what our world is telling us is true. What our leaders are telling us is true. What our pastor and assistant pastor and elders are telling you, is it true? You need to have that working knowledge of the scriptures. You need to read it daily. You need to dive into it. Verse 12, therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. Isn't it great that God doesn't isolate this just to men like some religions or just to women? It's open to everybody. He loves everyone. Men, women, you're, we're his creations. He wants to speak to each of our hearts because he know each of you are so important to him. What you can do, no one else can do as far as making an impact for the kingdom of God. I believe the times are coming that everything that God has built in you over your lifetime, the good, the bad, you're going to use that to touch a life to bring them into the kingdom. I really believe that. I think that God is preparing each of our hearts for those things that are coming down the road. 
because he loves the lost. We're saved. We're going to heaven. We're trying to bring more people with us. We have to be alert. We've got to be ready. And notice again, because Paul and Silas stuck with the gospel, verse 12, therefore many of them believed. There was a consequence. They weren't silent. They didn't stay silent, these guys. They spoke the word and people reacted. Verse 13, but when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, they came there also and stirred up the crowds. Doesn't envy bring you places? You'll travel a long distance if you have envy in your heart. These guys traveled a great distance to go to Berea because they heard. The devil will travel far distances to thwart a work of God. He'll send his demonic army out there. Are you a fighter for the Lord? Are you a warrior of Jesus Christ? We need to be. There's a war going on. Satan's head is already visible, and more and more of his body is going to be coming out more and more as time goes. The gates of hell cannot prevail against Jesus Christ. Remember, when we come back with him one day, we're coming back on horses and we're part of his army. I know it feels sometimes like we're in a boot camp, right? That we're in training. But he's training us for a reason. Are you ready? I say yes, you are. I believe you are. Verse 14, Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea, but both Silas and Timothy remained there. So those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens, and receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed, they departed. Now Athens, Socrates, Plato, all the great philosophers, all the great teachings are here in Athens. So just like the world today, there's so many crazy things, so many crazy religions. How do we know which one's true? Verse 16, now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols, the neon gods they made, right? The neon gods they made. Thousands of gods, thousands of temples all over the place. Therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. One of the things in 17 that really stood out to me was now, in the past, we really didn't see uh, Gentile worshipers, and we didn't see the marketplace where there were people there that were listening to Paul. And Paul was provoked. He was provoked within him. Remember what he said, how can I keep silent? when it's burning within me what God has put there. I pray that all of us have that fire, that we can't keep it inside of ourselves, that we have to give it out, whether it be in church, whether it be to the Jewish people, to Gentiles, or whether it be in the marketplace where we hang out, where we go through. 
that were sensitive to people wanting to hear what's going on. You know, what's happening in the Middle East? You hear a conversation, maybe you can just go in there and say, well, you know, I was just reading the scriptures. Something that really just pointed to what's going on over in the Middle East today. Look for opportunities. They're there. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him. And some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. The Epicureans were those who were eat, drink, and be married for tomorrow. We're going to die. You know, they live for the moment. Go for all the gusto type of people. The Stoic people were like the aerobic instructors. You know, they were the ones, you got to endure it. No pain, no gain. You just got to go through it. You just got to endure things. And they were just calling him a babbler. But notice he stayed with Jesus and the resurrection. And that stirred their hearts. They took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, may we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak. Now, this was Morris Hills, and it was about 337 feet above sea level, right in the center of Athens. So it was up in the middle of the city. And this is where they would go to talk and go over all their ideas and learn new things. And one of the interesting things is that the Athenians said that education and religion should be together. A lot different than today, right, with the separation in schools of church and state, these guys thought, well, let's look at education. Let's see how it works, meshes with religion. So they took Paul up on this Morris Hill, and they wanted to know what this new doctrine was. Now, if Paul was silent because he was concerned about his life, these guys would never engage in this conversation with him. This would never have taken place. We wouldn't have the Acts of the Apostles. But these, Paul and these guys, weren't afraid to speak the name of Jesus, talking about his death and his resurrection and his coming back again. They weren't afraid. And that engaged people. They started wondering. Because neon gods are temporary. Neon gods burn out. Neon gods only light for a little while. They flicker and die. Our God, think of how long you and, I, you and I have been Christians. And hopefully you can say, boy, I've really grown over the lifetime since I received Jesus into my heart. He's not a neon God. He's a living God. Always at work in our hearts. So verse 20, for you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. You know, you and I don't have to wait for new things to come. We don't have to wait for new revelation. I think it was John Corson who said in one of his teaching, if it's true, it's not new. And if it's new, it's not true. God has given us everything in his word. Everything is here. Now, you might say, holy mackerel, I've never seen that before in the scriptures. Well, that's awesome. Because God is opening up your eyes to things you've never seen in maybe 5, 10, 15, 20 years. 
But as you seek out the scriptures, as you are um, searching the scriptures daily to find out what God wants you to know, he'll open up all these treasures in his word to you. So dive in. Keep getting into his word. Verse 21, for all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear something new. I think of the movie stars and all the different religions they're in. They're looking for something new. They have everything in the world. But when they meet that ideal mate, within a year, two years, it's over. It's done. Yet they had everything in the world, anything money could buy. They had the looks. They had everything. But it wasn't solid. It was a neon light that they made. It wasn't the true light that has come into the world, that is still shining in the world. You have that light in you. I have that light in me. We don't want to be under the table. You don't want to be behind here. You want to be up where people can see you so that they come to you, that you can bring them to you and you can share with them what God has done in your life or just be there for them to comfort them because they're hurting. I think it's going to get worse. More and more people are going to be hurting. In that same uh, church last night where Ashley had her singing, there were people coming in 24-7, and the people of the church were working around the clock for security and just being there for people who have lost their homes, foreclosures, and the church was putting them up. They were sleeping in sleeping bags and the whole thing. And they just started this like a week ago. These people are hurting. So let's be sensitive and, and take advantage of the time to see what we can do to bring Jesus to them. Wrapping up in 22, then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshiped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. These guys, these religious guys, in their zeal, without knowledge, constructed these great temples, built these statues. But they were deaf. They didn't move. The temple was cold. They didn't know that they were, if they had received Jesus, they were the temples of God. That the temple is living, it's you and me, that we're the church that the temple was only a place that you, they went to to have church. You're the church right here, whether it's here in a school or in a gymnasium. It doesn't matter. Where God is, that's his people, and that is church. So Paul is telling them this. He's trying to show them this, and he's using their knowledge to build on and point them in the right direction. That Jesus, that God that you didn't know about, it's Jesus. Let me tell you more about this Jesus. 
He's, verse 25, he, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. He's the creator. He's the provider. He's not limited to where you put him or where you want him to be. He's all over the place. Verse 26, and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. He's only a prayer away. You're hurting tonight? You're feeling lonely tonight? Jesus is only a prayer away. He's right there. He is our security. He will give us our guidance. You know, he, he gives us hope. He gives us our faith. He gives us our purpose for living. He's there. For in him we live and we move and have our being. As also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. See, they took prominence in their buildings. You know? They took pride in everything they constructed with their hands. But remember what God said? If you're going to build me an altar, don't chisel it. Just leave it like it is. Because he doesn't want anything, he doesn't want anybody to go any place to worship him that people will be go, so consumed by the things that man's hands have made. Oh, look at the tremendous steeples, how high they are reaching up. We're to seek God in spirit and truth, not in the way man has um, constructed him or molded him or made him. Verse 30, truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all man, men everywhere to repent. And that comes right to today. The cross a couple thousand years ago is behind us, but it still tells the story of a sin, Christ-rejecting world that needs to turn to him in order to be saved. It's not going to be the different stimulus packages. It's not going to be the different meeting of different nations. As I said today, this is the stimulus package right here. This is what Jesus has given us to get us face-to-face -face with him. A long time ago, right? The Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. This is it. This is all there is. This is Jesus. He is the word of God. Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained, he has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked him. While others said, we will hear you again on this matter. So Paul departed from among them. However, some men joined him and believed, among them Dionysius, the Agropagite, a woman named Demarius, and others with them. 
Because Paul stayed with the gospel, with the crucifixion, the resurrection of Christ, people were influenced. Others believed. They came along. Tonight, as we close, think of what the Lord is telling you through his word. What is the overriding thing that you receive from the Lord through the 34 verses of scripture tonight or the psalm? You and I are not going to go down into the pit. We might feel at times we're in a lion's den, but remember Daniel came out of that. He came out of that pit. Joseph came out of the pit. Remember Jesus, hey dad, the kid on the bank, hey dad, God hears us. He hears his kids. He loves you. He loves me. He's going to bring us home one day. But before then, there's a Christ-rejecting world that is more confused than ever. They're following thousands of idols, thousands of neon gods that are silent. We need to make the sound that breaks the silence. But the sound is the gospel of Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father, you're awesome.